Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 19. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your personal and probing connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and Love Has Forgotten No One, his third book, which will be released this fall. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host. And I said it was probing. What did I mean by that? Well, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. All I meant was, it's questions for Gary. Some of them are probing questions. That's why. I, it just doesn't make any sense. Best for me to just let this all go and turn things over to right where we said we would in the last episode as we continue on right now with more probing questions for Gary. Let's move into another question here. Sure. Okay, this one comes from uh, Brett, who's in Kansas City. You were just there. You may have met Brett. He, this, the question came in before your uh, your appearance there, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I really – I think I may have. I think I did meet uh, somebody named Brett. It could be, but it's pretty good. Not to be confused with George Brett, of course. No, no, I would never make that confusion. Especially not because as Brett begins his message, I'll read this part quickly. Uh, Gene, thanks for your professionalism. I like this guy so much already. It's written all over every podcast. We're left with an access to a quality conversation because the conversation does not sound cheap like so many podcasts can. I appreciate how you focus on Gary's message by being so modest about the depth of your experience of course practice. I'd love this guy, Brett. I'm, I'm going to get him working with Manny. I mean, this guy's got to be part of my management team. Thank you, Brad, very sincerely. That's very, very nice and very meaningful for me to hear. Question, Gary, can you speak to the two yous that always show up when we talk about the practice of forgiveness? When you speak about you, sometimes you mean the dream you, and sometimes you mean the true you. And he said we referenced that in Podcast 16. The back and forth of this can be difficult to follow. The I, the me, wants to take more credit than one might conclude is beneficial to the process. So he kind of has a two-part wrap-up question here. Number one, is it true that only the true I can see another beyond form as spirit? Part of that is, does the dream I possess any ability to actually see spirit? And finally, is it true that we read the Course as the dream I, but can only experience the miracles as the true I? says, your collaboration is a gift, Gary. That's from Brett, once again, in Kansas City. So that's interesting. Yeah, we have the real I, and then there's the dream I. So, uh, I, I, But you have spoken about this before. Right. I think uh, what we need to remember is that uh, you know Jesus is talking to us in the Course as though we think that we're here. Mm-hmm. But he's not talking to us as individual people who think that we're bodies. He's actually speaking to us on a on a macro level, mm-hmm. uh, when he says, you think this, or you believe that, in the Course, he's talking about the one ego that thinks that it's here. So you could say that you have uh, one teacher of the Course, just one, and that would be the Holy Spirit. And then you just have one student of the Course, really, even though there may appear to be millions. Uh, there's really just one student of the Course, and that's the one thinks that it has separated itself from God, and you're it, mm-hmm. right? And there, there isn't really anybody else. Uh, there's really just illusions that appear to be separate from each other. Now, the real you 
It doesn't have to do anything. That real I that Brett is talking about is already perfect. It doesn't have to do a damn thing and, and never will because it's already perfect and it doesn't have to evolve and, and uh, it's not changing. Uh, it's a constant. The truth is constant. The, uh, the dream I that Brett is talking about ultimately does not even really exist. Uh, when the Course says, you know, who is the you who are living in this world? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a, a question mark, and then it says spirit is immortal, and immortality is a constant state. Well, once again, you see it comes back to a choice between those two things. Uh, spirituality, uh, you know, or spirit is immortal, and immortality is a constant state. The truth is uh, constant. The truth about you is constant and never changes. But the you, when the Course says, who is the you who are living in this world? That's the dream I. It's that dream I that Brett is talking about. That's the one that has to make the choice. That's the one that has to choose to see things with the Holy Spirit instead of the ego, which is why the Course always says that uh, you know, freedom of choice is your one remaining power mm-hmm. you know, as a, a prisoner of this world. You can decide to see it right. You know, you can choose once again. So uh, what Brett would call the real I doesn't have to do anything. But in order to experience the real I, the dream I has to choose the Holy Spirit's interpretation of everything instead of the ego. Uh, that's the level that the Course takes place at. As the Course says, the, you know, the Holy Spirit sees your illusions without believing in them. And so the Holy Spirit is trying to get us to think like the Holy Spirit. And, and yeah, you see these illusions without believing in them, and you choose what uh, people really are, which is this constant state of spirit. So it's always the choice that's what's being addressed here. The specifics really never matter. It's always simply choosing again. It's funny, we have a little theme going on with these different questions, but it's always make, that's what the Course is directed to, to teaching you to always make the better and finally the ultimate one good choice. That's right, and I think the Course says that over and over and over and over and over again, (laughs) and it's very hard for us to get that because, as you said, we're so sucked in to what we're seeing in in the dream that we we think that uh, what we're seeing is true, but it takes practice to experience that it's not true, and the more you experience it, then uh, the easier it actually gets you know, as you shift your experience from the experience of being a separate body, and obviously the body is the Course's great symbol of separation. Right. And as as you shift your experience from the experience of being a body to the experience of being spirit, you know, then you start to realize, my my God, and it might even be a little bit scary at first, but you start to realize, my God, I do not exist. You know, I do not exist uh, except for my real life which is at home in God and and has never actually left, which is why the Course says that the full awareness of the atonement is that the separation never occurred. So, uh, you know, that's what, and once again, that's why the Course says it's simple 168 times. <laughs> but it's it's very difficult for us to get that it's that simple and that the only thing that exists is this perfect oneness with God, which is uh, really kind of like synonymous with heaven. You know, so what the Course calls the awareness of perfect oneness and uh, that's what it's talking about once again at the beginning when it says nothing real can be threatened. And uh, that little eye, that dream eye, literally does not exist. And the uh, the paradox there 
and you can also say it's ironic, uh, is that it's the part of you that doesn't exist that has to make that choice. It's almost like uh, eventually you could say that you're educating the ego to choose against itself. Yeah, that's what it seems like, yes. You know, and to, and uh, actually get the idea that, you know something, uh, it really is better to be spirit. And, you know, a lot of people, uh, I'm sorry, but a lot of people express a lot of fear about this, and I, I can kind of feel it as I ask the question. So if I don't exist, once I accept this, I'll, I'll. Someone recently made the analogy of the Borg in Star Trek. You'll be assimilated into the collective, and you know, and then you won't be there anymore. But the truth is, and the course assures us over and over, and I really take Jesus at his word on this, that you will never give up anything. You are never asked to give up anything, or you'll never be invaded. It's purely a willing choice and you lose nothing in the process well that's true and uh it's like the course says you do not have to worry about being suddenly hurled into reality mm -hmm. you know so it's not like this is going to happen instantaneous that's why it's a process and it won't happen against your will because it is your will exactly what ha what's happening is the ego is being undone as you go along as the course says salvation is undoing and, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how many times we read that or hear it, uh, you know, we have to keep being reminded of it over and over again because the ego is being undone as you make this choice with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is healing that unconscious guilt that's in the mind. And then eventually you'll get to the point where you'll be like Jesus, where you're experiencing complete spirit. Uh, you cannot suffer. You cannot feel pain. You know, then it doesn't matter what happens or appears to happen to you in the dream because uh, it's like we said before if there was no pain associated with a problem it wouldn't be a problem you know if everything was you great know? we would be more than happy to stay here forever you know right except who'd want to stay here when uh, you know you can you can be all of it you know it's kind of like uh, once you get to that point where you like Jesus and you're experiencing your perfect oneness with God then you uh, do what the course describes is you know kind of like laying your body aside for the final time, mm -hmm. uh, then that perfect oneness with God becomes your permanent experience. Right. You know, so, you know, that's what we're all uh, being led to. And what it does is it leads to kind of like a happy resolution, you know, of the dream. You know, it's kind of like some teachers teach, like uh, Neil Donald Walsh, for example, when he had a recent book where he said that this goes on forever, that the solution goes on forever, and that there's no end to it. You know, uh, when I read that, I thought, you know, Jesus, get out the suicide notes, you know, because it's like, uh, you know, it's like there's no happy resolution to this. It's never going to end. That's right. It's never going to end. But under the system of the Course in Miracles, uh, it's very clear that there is a happy resolution to this, that the Holy Spirit looked back from the end of time. So we already know that it's over. You know, if that was the end. And so it is a fixed system. Uh, there is a happy resolution, and everybody gets to go home and live in this perfect oneness with God. You know, that's the way that this is going to end. The Course teaches that, uh, you know, the world will end as it began. It's a, it's a decision. You know, uh, we made a wrong decision that started it. We made a right decision that ended it. And uh, it's very much like Jesus' story of the prodigal son. Uh, you go home. You know, there's only one problem, which is separation, the idea that you left, and there's only one solution, which is to go home, which is uh, to go home to your perfect oneness with God, and that's the resolution that we're all going to end up with. Uh, you could almost say, you know, we're going to be happy whether we like it or not.
Well, we've got another question here from Janet. Janet from Elk Ridge, Maryland. And it's kind of a subject we touched on earlier, so I'm just going to paraphrase it. But I didn't want Janet to think we had ignored her, especially when she started off by saying, Hi, Gene. I was thrilled when I started listening to Gary's podcast, and I heard a familiar voice. Yours. It took me a minute to remember where I knew your voice from. Then I remembered it was from the audiobook CDs of Disappearance of the Universe. Thank you, Janet. Yes, I I was proud and privileged to become the voice of Artin on, on those recordings. And it's interesting because her question was about Artin in this lifetime, and we talked about that earlier. Uh, she just wanted to know about, uh, do, have you met the person you think is Artin? Uh, hints about this, and so we've kind of covered that earlier, but uh, uh, Janet's question, I want to make sure she knew we addressed it, and also, uh, you have said that Artin is a female in this current lifetime. That's correct? That's true. Does does that person know yet? I wanted to ask you this earlier, and it ties in with Janet's question. Uh, does the person who actually is Artin in this lifetime, are they aware of it, or have you not even told or talked about this with that person until the book actually comes out? Well, actually, uh, the person in this lifetime who's uh, Artin uh, does know that she's Artin, and the reason for that was simple. I, I couldn't uh, kind of like out her in the book. <laughs> You know, without her permission, mm -hmm. you know, because it would be like, uh, imagine you're reading a book or you hear, hey, did you know that you're this person? Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden you start getting all these questions from people and you, you don't even know what the hell they're talking about. You know, it would be, it'd be kind of rough. So, uh, you know, I kind of like to had to prepare that person, you know, by, by you know, letting her know uh, what was going to happen and actually have her permission, mm -hmm. you know, to do this or else it just wouldn't have been right. Was it a surprise to that person? Was it a surprise to her when you uh, when you sprung the news? It didn't seem to be a big surprise, no, no. And uh, I'll I'll write more about that. Uh, well, you'll see it. Oh, cool. Uh, in the third book, so I don't want to say too much about that, except to say uh, that yeah, this person was uh, consulted and, and did seem to already know that. And uh, and I've never told anybody uh, that they were Artin, uh, except for this one person. Now, there's been some confusion about that. There have been a lot of false rumors. Uh, which goes with the territory when you're in the public eye. Uh, but the truth is, uh, you know, there's just one person that I've ever said I thought that, uh, you know, she was Arden. Mm -hmm. And uh, and she appeared to know that. And uh, actually, I met her mother before I met her. Ah. Which I thought was pretty interesting because I felt like I knew her mother. I felt like, uh, you know, I, I knew that, um, you know, I knew this person, mm -hmm. you know, very well. Some kind of family, a family connection that you had not even been aware of. Even you had not been aware of. That's right. That's right. So, uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been very interesting, and I think that people are going to find the story uh, interesting because of the way of, that everything fits together. I, I was astounded by some of the seeming coincidences that are not really coincidences uh, that take place. You know, because even in the illusion of the universe of time and space, everything is connected. And uh, you can't really separate one thing from anything else. You know, everything is holographic. Uh, it's just that the illusory universe is based on the idea of separation, which is why uh, the act of separation in one way or another is continuously playing itself out, which is even why you have death. Mm -hmm. You know, because what happens when somebody dies? Well, all of a sudden you feel separate. Right. You know, you can't get them back. That's how we felt when we thought that we'd separated ourselves from God. You know, so it's really just a reenactment, and everything in this uh, universe in some way is reenactment of separation or symbol of separation. Uh, but even within that universe of separation, the way it plays out 
uh, because we tried to be God, because we tried to mimic God, even though uh, the ego did not have the, the power of God, which is why everything decays and dies, uh, everything is still connected in some way, which I, I found to be fascinating because you can't ever really you know, separate one thing from anything else mm -hmm. except in illusions. But yeah, to answer that question, uh, this person does know uh, that she's ardent, and she, I don't think she's going to say anything about it. Uh, until the book comes out, because she just seemed to agree that it would be better for people to get the whole story right. rather than uh, getting it through piecemeal or getting it through rumors or, or things like that. Maybe I can rush out a quick mystery novel. It'll be like In Search of Arten, you know, and we'll try to track down who this person is from the little clues we've been given. Well, don't give people uh, any ideas. <laughs> it's really hard. Forget it. Forget I mentioned that. We want to cover... <laughs> yeah. Just forget I said all about that. Oh, like I couldn't just edit this out before I sent the podcast up. But, uh, you know, but I won't because I'm such a transparently honest guy. That's true. <clears throat> all right. We want to move through a couple more quick questions. We have a few minutes left in our show here. So this one comes from uh, Elvira. I'll kind of paraphrase this a little bit. Um... Ever since I read your first book, Gary, Disappearance, I have accepted all I read as fact, proceeded to get involved with the course group. Always nice. We talked about that a little bit. She says, I practice forgiveness almost daily, but my poor health continues to divert my attention away from the course's teaching to my so-called body. Uh, you speak of experiencing better health as you practice forgiveness. Why does it work, for instance, for you, perhaps, but not for me? I, I ask this without any thoughts of envy. I'm hoping that somehow maybe your ascended masters may have given an answer in this. She says, I have no intention of giving up the course, but it has become more difficult to keep the right perspective on a daily basis. That's from Elvira. And that's a little similar to what we talked about before, I think, about trying to do both. But, yeah, how do you handle that? Because it's certainly uh, body and health difficulties could certainly be a barrier to trying to learn anything, certainly to learn the course. Well, I would say the first thing that you want to do is you don't want to feel guilty about uh, not being healthy. You don't, you don't want to feel guilty about being sick. Uh, you know, that workbook lesson in the course, uh, Sickness is a Defense Against the Truth. Uh, once again, if you could remember that that's only done at the level of the mind, then, uh, you know, course students could stop beating themselves up when somebody gets sick and saying, hey, what's the matter with you? Don't you know you're supposed to get sick? And sometimes people feel guilty because if they're a course student because their body gets sick. And uh, it, this is hard to get and is a pretty advanced state, but the truth is, that there's no difference between having a healthy body or a sick body because neither one is true. You know, but we think, well, of course, you know, a healthy body is spiritual and a sick body is not spiritual. Yeah. But that's not that's not a fact. The fact is that if neither one is true, if the body itself is not real, then to have a sick body, you know, does not, you know, mean that you're any less spiritual than anybody else. I'll give you an example. I was reading yesterday on Yahoo about this uh you know, a guy that was uh, this Nazi doctor who uh, is right now the most wanted Nazi fugitive mm. in the world. They think he's still alive. He's 93 years old. Now, if it's spiritual, you know, to have a healthy body and uh, have positive thoughts, and if it's not spiritual to, ha to have an unhealthy body and to have negative thoughts, then this guy should have died by the time he was 50. You would think. Yeah, but no, he's 93. And the truth is that a lot of the most healthy bodies in the world are not very spiritual people. You know, uh, there are some athletes who, you know, are wonderful people and brilliant people. There are some athletes who are absolute jerks. <laughs> and, uh, you know, on seemingly level of form, that may be how they act, but they have these incredibly healthy bodies. And uh, the truth is, 
you know, how you think is not going to always show up on the level of your own body. It's possible that your job in this lifetime is to practice forgiveness of other bodies as well as your own. And uh, as A Course in Miracles says, a miracle is never lost. You know, it can have undreamed of effects in situations of which you are not even aware. It can be uh, helping the Holy Spirit perform an enormous healing uh, at a level that we can't even perceive with the body's eyes. You know, uh, there can be all kinds of great things happening. And maybe, you know, that sick body uh, is going to get better. And uh, maybe it's not. Uh, and I don't want to discourage you because it, it, it very well may. It's just that the lessons that the Holy Spirit wants us to learn are always right there in our life. You know, and everybody's going to get sick eventually. Everybody is going to die eventually. You know, and nobody's going to avoid that. But it's, it's not uh, that you're doing anything wrong. You know, you're definitely doing something right if you're thinking with the Holy Spirit. I mentioned uh, this weekend in Kansas City, I was talking about uh, Woody Allen, who I kind of like. <laughs> and Woody Allen used to say that, because uh, he used to be scared to death to fly and scared of all kinds of things. And the way that he cured himself was that he would think of the ten worst things that could possibly happen. And then when they didn't happen, he felt relieved. <laughs> you know, so that, that's how he healed himself. And I thought, wait, wait a minute here. If what all these people are teaching nowadays, like with the secret and, and with the law of attraction and all that, if that were really true, and if Woody was going through life always thinking about the ten worst things that could possibly happen to him, then how did he end up being this enormously successful, you know, uh, amazingly well loved, uh, you know, person with all these great things in his life? You know, where did that come from? Well, it certainly didn't come from uh, his positive thoughts because he wasn't having any. <laughs> you know, and so it's like uh, the point that I'm trying to make is that it's like apples and oranges. The level of the mind is the level of the mind. The level of the physical is the level of the physical. They're like apples and oranges. They're like two different things. You know, and uh, a lot of this manifestation stuff has to do with the mind already knowing what's going to happen. You know, there's a part of you that already knows what's going to happen in the future. And I think that the mind kind of like focuses on that because it already, it already knows that. It's like the, uh, the unconscious mind already knows everything. And that's why, you know, the secret and the, the law of attraction, it seems to work for some people. And it doesn't work for other people because people are confusing the level of the mind with the level of the physical. If you're thinking, uh, you know, loving, forgiving thoughts, it doesn't mean that you're always going to be healthy. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go right. You know, you look at Jesus at the end of his life, things weren't exactly going right. Mm. You know, but the point is it didn't matter. You know, and uh, whatever is there in front of you, that's the lesson that the Holy Spirit wants you to learn and to forgive. And, uh, you know, to kind of like, you know, gain control of the mind. If you could think of the pain that's in the body as being a mental process uh, rather than a physical process of art, as art and churches person uh, teach in that you know chapter in disappearance called uh, healing the sick and uh, we are going to talk more about that in the third book then uh, you know we, we start to understand that it's not what you experience that counts it's how you experience it you know we, we won't always have a choice as to what we experience but we always have a complete choice as to how we experience it and that's the point of the course and whatever happens after that is up to the Holy Spirit 
And, uh, you know, I, I wish I could say that we're all going to always be healthy, but we're not. And uh, it doesn't mean that we're not spiritual, and it doesn't mean that we're not uh, good students of the Course, and it doesn't mean that we're not doing our job. Because this isn't about the way things look out there. It's about how you're thinking at the level of the mind and how it makes you feel about an experience, you know, what appears to be happening. And, you know, as Woody Allen said, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. <laughs> That's right. He did say that. He's one of my favorite spiritual teachers. I got one for you, too. He also said that, uh, you know, life is full of loneliness, misery, and suffering. And it's all over much too soon. <laughs> so the extension of this is really just part of the illusion. It's just much too quick, all this suffering. Really? <laughs> Let me follow up on one thing that we touched on earlier, because uh, you were speaking of, like, in, for instance, Jesus's physical existence, and we we're talking about the difference of of the body and knowing it's real and and feeling the uh, potential of suffering or not. And is there then a period of perhaps overlap where someone like Jesus, who actually completely learns the lesson, is completely enlightened? The apparency of the body is still there for a while, but there is no belief in the body, so you don't have any potential for suffering. It just, as you said, becomes somewhat of a dream. Is that overlap period, is that something that we're actually looking at? Yes, I think that uh, that definitely happens. Uh, Jesus, for example, was uh, completely enlightened the last several years of his life. Uh, we see that in the case of Persia uh, in the next life. Uh, she was enlightened for an unusually long period of time because she wanted to help Arden kind of like get to the same place. And uh, there is that overlap, what A Course in Miracles calls the happy dream, and, and uh, you know, where you're not projecting any unconscious guilt onto the world because you don't have any unconscious guilt in your mind to project out there into the world in the first place. And once you get to that point, there's no pain. Uh, the body is just kind of like a, a figure in a dream, which is why it's one of the reasons why it's called the happy dream, you know, in the Course. And uh, at that point, you can't be hurt. And uh, there's kind of like a schedule. It's like uh, everybody's supposed to die at a certain time. And when I say die, nobody ever really dies. But, you know, you appear to make your transition at a certain time. And that the reason for that is because everything is connected and everything does fit together. So it's like my teachers told me. They said, you know, Gary, uh, you know, the time when you're supposed to pass away and, and lay your body aside, that's already set. And you couldn't change it if you wanted to. Uh, and, of course, there, there are different wrinkles in time, like different dimensions of time, which we've talked about before and which I'm sure we'll talk about again sometime. But for the most part, in, in this dimension of time, the time of uh, laying the body aside is already set. So Jesus could use that last several years of his life knowing what was going to happen in the future but being totally unconcerned about it. Uh, he could use that last several years of his life to kind of like act as an example to other people. He wasn't presenting himself as being special or different. He was just teaching by example. He was simply saying, look, uh, this is how you're all going to be someday. You know, if you uh, kind of like use the laws of the mind the way that I have and, and forgive the world the way that I have, then this is what you're going to be like too. You will be like me. And I think we also see that in the Gospel of Thomas. It's like... Uh, you know, Jesus was just leading by example, 
Uh, he never intended to start a religion. He was simply, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, acting as uh, kind of like something that people could kind of like relate to. And of course, you know, people took it after that, not during that, but took after that, made religion out of it. And, uh, you know, of course, it had nothing to do with what Jesus was teaching. But that's uh, that overlap period that you're asking about. That could last for 11 years. It could last for 11 seconds. Mm. You know, you could become enlightened, experience that, experience your perfect oneness with God. You could lay your body aside 11 seconds later, and it doesn't make any difference. You know, it's just you're going to check out when you're scheduled to check out. You know, that that's when the Course says, you know, the, uh, the Course says the script is written. Well, it is written. And... Uh, there are different uh, things that can happen within dimensions of time. There's a chapter in the next book. Uh, the chapter is called The Script is Written, but Not Etched in Stone. <laughs> and then the subtitle of that chapter is uh, The Nature of Dimensions. And yes, there are different dimensions that you can shift to by practicing forgiveness, uh, but you know that's, that's a different subject. But for the most part, in uh, any dimension of time, the, the time period that you're going to pass away in is already determined. And yes, there's this, that overlap period, but how long it is, is not important. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and presented by Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of this program is copyright 2008, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. For more information about Gary Renard and his books, activities, and schedule, go to his website, that's the one he named himself, www.garyrenard.com. And for more information about our podcast and what we're both doing, go to our website, www.forgiveness.tv. This is Gene Bogart saying thanks so much for listening, and I'll look forward to connecting with you again here on the next episode of the Gary Renard Podcast. And remember, whatever the situation or question, forgiveness is always the answer. Let me say that again. I think that would work good. That seems like a good wrap-up right there. Excellent.